Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Slapcast. This is another episode of our coverage of the 2023-24 season. I'm your host, Gage, as usual, and fellas, the international break is here, right when the season was just getting good. So while we have a two-week hiatus before we get Premier League football again, we do have time to record an episode. So let's make the most of it and say hello to the gentleman. We got to start with Reese. Hello, Reese. Hello. And Ethan's here as well. Hello, Ethan. Hello, Gage. And Josh? Josh, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am also quite good. Anxiously awaiting the question of the day, which you came up with 30 seconds before I pressed record. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have it. What is your favorite thing you own? Ooh. Reese's mind. Reese's mind. (laughs) (laughs) Did you look instantly at your bookshelf? Is that what's over there? No, Pepper was crawling into the room <laughs> like a gremlin. It is my my manga collection, though. It's the most expensive coagulation of things, too. So it's like, yeah. Oh, man. I mean, I obviously have my record collection and like a bunch of movies and whatnot. But to to throw one out of right field, I've, I've got this watch at graduation. And I like it a lot. I wear it all the time. Uh, well, Gage, thanks. What is your favorite manga and favorite record right now that you have? Because my manga collection is like fair, but also kind of cheating. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll give you two. I own almost all of the Berserk Deluxe Editions, which are awesome and they're huge and Berserk's awesome. Um, and I also own all of one piece that is currently out and have read all of it okay i'll say this i i've been listening to pet sounds by the beach boys um i think i brought that on the podcast at one point because i just watched uh love and mercy which is about brian wilson who was in the beach boys i guess i'm just immaterial as hell because i just do not have any possessions that i care that much about i guess my uh well i don't know this is decent this is something my mom gave me like when I was seven years old, this necklace, I've had it for forever. So I'd be, nice. I think this is probably the thing I'd be the most sad about if I lost. Yeah. So that goes for something. Thank you for the question of the day, Josh. Uh, we will now be moving on to that, which is new for the week. This time, the mystery segment is a brainchild of Ethan's. So I'm now going to turn it over to him to intro it to you guys. Yeah, so we had been talking about transfers recently on the podcast, and um, you know, Gage has been doing a good job coming up with those. So I thought I'd step in, even though I feel like this is pretty like it, it was. It did not live up as much to the hype because um, basically we're just going to talk about a few teams that I had listed um, to the guys and how they and kind of give them a letter grade uh, for their transfer window, and you know, just kind of talking about them briefly and how well they did um, now that the transfer deadline is. Uh, has passed. So um first of all, we've got Arsenal. We've got Reese's team. Reese, let's start with you. What do you how do you rate your team? I give us uh somewhere between an A minus and a B plus. I think we addressed our problem areas. I think the timber injury kind of puts a dampen on it, but um, you know, it is what it is. I think also the Havert signing was more of a gamble. I think, you know, a safer signing is more Im- immediately you know, looks better immediate, you know, maybe it'll pan out and I'll eat my words, but the immediate look is like, well, maybe, maybe a safer signing could have bumped us up a letter grade. 
Yeah, I kind of mentioned something similar in my notes as well. Like, I think the quality of player that was signed is quite high in terms of the actual footballing ability on paper of the players that you brought in. For example, Rice being the you know paramount signing, of course. And then Havertz as well as someone who I do think has quality. I just think maybe not fully suited to the role that he's being asked to perform exactly at this time. So, I, I mean, I, I gave you all a B. I kind of agree in, in that general area. Maybe B plus kind of in that range. I think Havertz is someone that you're going to have to, well, not you specifically, but Arteta is going to have to coach and evolve into his new role as we go throughout the season and maybe even beyond that, I think, for him. Because at the moment, I would say he looks like a downgrade on Xhaka, at least, you know, as far as how well he performs the role he's being asked to perform in the team. I would say he's a downgrade on Xhaka. Rice is obviously a great signing, more used to a double pivot than a single with Suchek in the past, but obviously someone who has a much higher ceiling, much higher level of technical quality. So his adaptation, I think, will be much, much faster. And uh, yeah, the timber injury, I mean, what do you even do about that? Like, it's a good signing in your problem area, but he immediately gets injured. So how do you grade that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I've gone for a B. <laughs> I went for an A minus just because, you know, all the points y'all said, but, you know, bringing in uh, Dove Raya, you know, good competition for Ramsdale. Um, I think y'all did really well to sell players. Um, Balagun for 50 mil, Ajaka got a decent amount for him. Um, definitely could have benefited for maybe one or two more players just to have numbers. But yeah, I thought Rice was a great signing. Yeah, I kind of mostly similar points. I'm going to go with a B plus, I think. The Havertz money could have been used elsewhere for more immediate help with the squad as far as like depth and especially um, at like striker, I think was a big hold. I think maybe a backup striker could have been bought or a couple other places. Um, so I think B plus just I think the Havertz money, not that it's a waste, but it is not an immediate effect so far. And it could have been used for players to add depth to the squad because y'all are going to have a pretty full season. All right, next we've got uh, my favorite team in the world, uh, Brighton Hove Albion. Uh, I, who wants to start that off? Because I obviously don't. I'll start because I'm a Brighton meat writer. A-plus for me. Yeah. I think Dahoud for free is great business. I think James Milner for free is great business. Um, I think, you know, I'm I'm really excited. I've talked about him on the pod, about Joao Pedro. I think he's going to fit in nicely. Um, Ansu Fatty on loan. I mean, I don't... I don't know much about like I kind of feel like he appeared and he was the next guy and then he kind of fell off. I know I was talking about this with Ethan. He kind of he didn't fall off. Apparently, he's just injured a lot. So I just don't know. But you know, he seems to be he's obviously a very high prospect and he's joining Brighton, which is huge. Um, I've also noted down, you know, they they sold Kaiseido for a huge fee. So once again, just making so much money. So yeah, I think their recruitment and their business is always top-notch. I'm going to go next because you actually read exactly what I wrote down in that order. Like I went, I went a plus smart, cheap signings like Dahoud and Milner, good prospect signings like Joe Pedro and Ansu Fati. Um, and then continuing to perform uh, uh, the way they did with uh, selling McAllister, Sanchez and Caicedo for big money. So hate to say it, but yeah, they just keep being well run. My gauge likes to wax on about. Yeah. Well, I also wrote down, like Robert Sanchez, they sold for 35 million pounds. At the time that they sold him, he was their third choice goalkeeper because Jason Steele had usurped him in the team and they just brought in Bart Verbruggen. So 
to bring in 35 million pounds for a third choice goalkeeper at the time is a ridiculous piece of business. They obviously recouped fees of around a hundred bajillion uh, for the likes of Caicedo and McAllister, which is great business as they mentioned. So yeah, not much else to, to, to bring up other than they've signed a few players from the continent, the likes of Carlos Baleba, who I've never heard of, but I'm sure is incredible. Yeah. Because he's sure he's sold for a hundred yeah. bajillion dollars. In the yeah, <laughs> exactly. Right. So yeah, it's an A for me and, I'm the weird guy that doesn't do pluses or minuses. So just bear that in mind. I have absolutely nothing that a plus. <laughs> nice. Fair. All right. Let's go to the, one of the biggest talking points, every transfer window, uh, Chelsea. F. 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 Oh, not me. elaborate. Pro- Pro- I, probably like a C. He's taking us. Um, <laughs> I think they made like a couple decent signings here and there just because there was so much like change within the squad. Um, with I don't know, it just it seems to not be doing great again. But I think a couple of their signings were decent, but I don't know, with all the dead load that they were like having to get rid of, I think making United pay that large of a fee for Mason Mount instantly like bumps you up a letter grade. But I don't know. It seems like they just tried to throw money at a problem without thinking about where the money was going first. Yeah, I agree. I've got to see as well, pretty much the same points, you know. They always do well with selling players, so that that is a plus for them. Um, I think they signed a couple players that could be good, or they're probably good, haven't featured much so far. Like, Lavia hasn't featured a whole lot, but I think will probably end up being a good signing. I think Jackson could be a good player. He just can't finish right now for some reason. Um. I think Caicedo was bad business, not because he's a bad player. Just I think you cannot be spending that much money on a 21-year-old who you know, doesn't even have that much Premier League experience. Um, I think Cole Palmer is bad business. I don't know how he was sold I for that much money. terrible business. With, I mean, I feel like he just appeared and hasn't ever has – he, does he have any Premier League minutes outside of like the first two games as a sub? Yeah, I know. Well, he played, he played, he did that exact thing a lot over the course of last season. But I'm going to look and see if he's ever started a Premier League game. I think he started Chelsea's game and that was probably other, his first start. Other than that one, like, I just need to know if he started a game before they paid 40 If he did, for it would have been the last game of the season where they had already won it. Played no one. Yeah. Um, I'm having a hard time getting through this. However, I'm interested to hear. A little exercise I want to perform here is, and I think worst signing we just achieved, but who do you think is their best signing this window? And who do you think is their worst signing this window? Uh, I probably would say Cole Palmer is the worst signing purely because of the fact he doesn't play. I think he's a fine player and he'll probably be okay. I just think that's crazy to pay that much. Three, count them, three Premier League starts. What They paid like 30 or 40 million, right? 40 million. 40 million pounds. Yeah. Maybe more than that. Yeah. That's a little crazy. Uh, best signing. Um, I'd probably say in Cuckoo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think, forgot they brought him in. The injury think, is so tough, though. It is tough. Um, so we haven't really been able to see him yet, but I think he was probably the more, you know, <laughs> I almost said good looking, but <laughs> this is not about looks. It's about <laughs> performance. This is a performance based I mean, game. Yeah. It's also um, a technicality, but technically it was signed last January as well. I know they I'll sent him out on loan right away, but yeah, that's true. But I'll give another shout for 
worse signing or and not that it's a bad signing, just like the price was the wrong the Latvia signing for like 53 million, I think is a little much for a 19 year old who has had like a season in the prem, but also like change changing scenery that much coming from South from the South Coast to London is a as a big similar but like big jump in culture. Yeah. I think it's a lot for a 19 year old. The one saving grace for that is he did play the full season outside of when he was injured. But yeah, I get I get your point for sure. I don't even know best still... signing. I, I know I'm having a really hard time coming up with one. Like I I think Nkuku is a decent one, like despite the fact that he's had injuries when he has made appearances for France, like against like top class international games, he has looked like fairly decent. I'm gonna I'm gonna put forward Axel Desasi, I think is my one of the better signings because yeah. much as we lamented the fact that he is one of the slowest players in human history, I actually do think they really needed a center back. And yeah. I do think that he provides a good amount of defensive solidity and aerial threat as well. So I'm going to put him forward. And they didn't – one of the things I wrote down in my notes is that every single player they signed was an overpayment. Like they overpaid yeah. for every single player. And I agree with that they overpaid for Tassasi, but I think they overpaid the least for him probably. So. I think Jackson is going to pan out to be the best in my opinion. I think right now it looks weird, but – he looked he had a really good preseason. He's just struggling for confidence right now. And he's had his moments where I'm like, yeah, this is this is a good player. And they've needed a, a actual striker for so long that you know they finally bought one. So I think eventually he'll be their best signing of this window. Who still hasn't given their grade yet? I actually I just realized I hadn't done that. I wrote down a C with a million question marks. Like because mm -hmm. I, I it's almost impossible to judge because so many of their players are just huge question marks. Um, I did say they did a really a really good job of clearing out their deadwood, so they get points for that. But they lose points for the fact that it's to a country that beheads people for being gay, and they now own a stake in the in the club, which is dodgy business at best. Uh, so I've taken away their points for that. So I've left them at a C, and they still don't have a number ten. Yep, I also went C and. Um... Because I, I do think they brought in some good prospects for the future. The thing about it is that a lot of these players, I think, will have will will be for the future, and they're not having much of a difference on their performances now. And so I think it's a lot of like a lot of delusion in the fact that they they expect these players to immediately make a difference. Is everybody? I think that's yeah. everyone. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to my club, I'll go real quick. Um, I think the deals that we did make were pretty decent. I think Lerma on a free is going to be end up being good business. Um, uh, we got Rob Holding for, I think, like a million in add-ons, which is pretty good. Um, Fransa might end up being good. We don't know yet, just because he hasn't uh, been in training yet. And then um, we got Dean Henderson, who's England international, and he's younger than Johnston. Um, so I think he'll end up being good. But the main thing for me was that we failed to replace Zaha. And we're still dealing with a huge player shortage. Um, our bench played Plymouth Argyle not too long ago and looked terrible. So we had to have our first team come on and save us. But yeah, just not being able to replace Zaha, I went with a D. I gave you all a little more credit. I think, you know, Frenza is the replacement. He's just injured. And obviously there's no way of telling how good he is right now because he's not playing. But I think y'all did 
you know, you found a profile you like and you signed him, whether or not he's good is we wait to see. I think, like you said, Lerma as well was another area that I think y'all needed to improve and getting business done on a free for a good Premier League proven player is great. Um, now, I think, although I don't really think you needed either Dean Henderson or Rob Holding, I think both of them were done for good enough deals that I can kind of look past it and be like, yeah, that's that's good business. Like, right. I don't know why you signed him outside of the fact that it was a good deal. It's kind of like what we were talking about before the podcast. It's like these players were on sale, so you were saving money. It's like, no, you still spent money on these players that you didn't need. But <laughs> yeah, um, I gave you all a B minus. I, I think as well, I know this is kind of cheating because it's not a transfer, but a lot of efforts I feel at least in a portion of this window went towards getting Elise to sign a new contract, which is absolutely huge. I think if he had left, you know, the, the rating goes down, but having him stay, I think gives y'all a little bit of a boost, at least for me. I also had y'all at a B minus. I think there were some good signings and hopefully the friends following um, pans out, but I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like there was enough in the problem areas. It feels like there was enough like generally, but not necessarily in like the problem areas to warrant anything higher than like a B minus. I'm a little surprised by how high y'all's grades are, to be honest. I think yeah. it, it, I went for an F to be completely honest. And not because I'm a hater, but just because I think like, Apart from Franza, who is a huge gamble because he's a 19-year-old, well, not in terms of price, but at least in terms of if he's going to be the reliable option, he's a 19-year-old who's never played in Europe, um, and maybe he'll turn out to be absolutely brilliant, you know, who knows, but I think it's just a big gamble, especially to not sign another attacker, um, not signing a fullback, I think, is a huge kind of thing that needs to be addressed, Uh probably could have used another midfielder because I know the like, you know, the question marks are around the likes of Rita wall. Like, is he good enough quality to continue playing and filling in, in that position? I'm astounded that Jeffrey Schlupp is still at the club, let alone playing another new position. Um, and like, yeah, the holding signings a great deal, but I-, I was telling the guys this in the car when we were driving somewhere not too long ago, like, I looked at y'all's bench on the last game and half the players on the bench can play center back. So, mm-hmm. you know, why are we signing a center back or why are y'all signing a center back? Why the goalkeeper one, I understand a little bit more because you need it. You need a backup goalkeeper, but um, yeah, for me, just not enough done. And what was done was unnecessary in a lot of aspects for me. So yeah, yeah I it, went, I went for an F and, and not to be harsh, but that's just no. kind of what I was feeling. I'm on, I'm on a similar page with you. I, I, I definitely think the likes of, you know, Elise signing another contract and stuff like that is is really good stuff to get done. Um, and then France, obviously, you know, while he's a big gamble, I think he will come good, hopefully. But I think the fact of, like, the matter is that, like, we're at, once again having a season where we're watching clubs around us do better business and look like they will probably go on to do future good things. I know that's a lot of talk for something that we haven't seen happen yet, but, like, you know, we'll talk about them here in a second. But, like, teams like Nottingham Forest are going out and, you know, getting a lot of investment. And it looks like with the signings they made are going to end up doing a lot better than we have in the Premier League sometime soon. So it's very concerning with the project going on right now, but yeah, uh, very interesting stuff going on uh, at Sellers Park. But uh, let's move to a really weird uh, team right now, Everton. E. I think E. D. 
Indeed. Oh, I thought you said E. I was like, E for Everton. I cannot believe they signed <laughs> Ashley Young. I think that's crazy. I think Beto could be okay. I think uh, Jack Harrison is a good loan. I'm fine with Dan Juma. I still think it's kind of weird. But look at all these outgoings. Uh, Moise Keane gone. I know he had, wasn't, wasn't great for them, but he's officially gone now. I think he was still on books. He was out on loan or whatever. Yeah. Um, a will be gone. I think that's crazy. I think he was probably their best player. Uh, Ellis Sims gone. I know he was a youth prospect, but he looked all right when he came on last season. And, you know, they need strikers. Um, Yuri Mina is gone. He's been playing for them consistently over the past few years. Tom yeah. Davies is gone uh, for free, by the way. Um, I know he wasn't playing a whole lot by the end, but I mean, when when he used to play a couple seasons back, I remember him being all right. I, I can't believe they let him leave for free. Um, Mope's Townsend, gone. similar for Townsend. Yeah, although he retired, I think. Oh, did he? Sure. He was commentating the Palace Arsenal game, by the way. He was. was he really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought he was fun. And yeah. now rumors of Damari Gray possibly leaving to Saudi Arabia as well, which yeah. is another another player. Holgate out on loan, Mope out on loan, who I know wasn't great, but again, I cannot believe they're letting strikers leave. So yeah, just all the outgoings. Uh, all this considering it's, it's a Albert Lewin got hurt again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's I know like they just they signed Beto. They signed Beto, but like they let go of three strikers or whatever it is. So yeah. Beto is still a question mark, at least in my opinion. I think like well, he's not permanently proven. Well, they no. lost the election to Ted Cruz, so that's definitely a <laughs> that's definitely a red flag in his department. I think I kind of similar lines. I put I gave him a D too. It's just like very minimal signings, and the actually young one makes no sense. The only upside I would say they I think they fleeced Fulham into paying twenty two million for a Wobi. I think that is. I disagree. I think a Wobi was their best half player. Half of what they bought him for, though. Yeah, they bought him for like 40, and I think he's been their best player for two seasons. I'm, I'm on the fence about that, actually. I feel like... They're, maybe it's a hot take, but... I don't know. I feel I like just, I have my Arsenal glasses off, because he was not that great at Arsenal. I thought no, it was I crazy. I was very critical of the signing when it happened, uh, but I I seriously think he was their best player. I agree. He was definitely one of... Him or Onana or... One of their yeah. like two Anana best players, be to be honest. Shot, yeah, but Wobi's at least in the conversation, right? So letting him go for half of what you bought him for is just terrible business, I think. Yeah, yeah, I have given them an F. To be honest, I just think it's almost an F by default because I understand that they're like under the gun with FFP and they're super cash trapped because they just buy garbage off the street for insane that out money. Yeah, half of the people that we mentioned in our shitty signing segment were for Everton signings, and it's like they just pick up garbage off the street and pay millions for it and then are surprised when it doesn't pan out, and now they're cash-strapped and they're going to get relegated. So I just don't understand. No, very little plan. I mean, again, signing two young, unproven players from on the continent, which, again, I've said this before, it's not a bad thing, but in their position, like, they'd be better off you know, trying to find maybe even people from the like upper echelons of the championship or like, why are they not going after Pats and Daka? Why are they not going after Ianacho? Why are they not going after one of the Southampton strikers, Adam Armstrong? You know, I I just don't, 
understand the business plan, to be honest with you. So uh, I've given them enough. Yep. I went D minus. I, I do think the incomings of Dan Jim and Harrison are pretty decent. Um, and they did get rid of some players that they desperately needed to get rid of, but it's to the point where they're like, they're just getting rid of everybody. And it's, it's very weird to see. It's very anti Everton. Um, I don't know how they're going to do for the rest of the season, but it definitely does not look good. Relegated. If Tamari Gray leaves, I'm serious. No, I no, it's it's. I think even if he's there, they're relegated. I think they're gonna. They, I mean, if Luton weren't a team, they would be finishing bottom. To be honest with you, I can't believe I took <laughs> yeah. him out live on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go into that, but uh, let's move on to the other Merseyside team, uh, Klopp's Liverpool. I Liverpool. A C plus. I th- I think the positive side from signing SpongeBob and Big Mac. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think like those signings, the end note, like the signings they made were really, I think, very good. I think they lost a massive amount, which like slowly derails it. And then also like they only signed midfielders and they only signed they had two attacking midfielders and two holding midfielders. So it, it like, it, I don't know, it, it, they have so many like depth holes in their squad that doesn't really make sense. Like there are so many different places that also need attention. They just glazed over. Yeah, I am actually in agreement with you, Josh. I gave them a C. Um, I think they signed a bunch of number eights, which is crazy to me. I mean, they signed a bunch of number eights and Wataru Indo, who probably won't start a lot of games. I know he started at the weekend, but just because Graven Birch hadn't, you know, fully been integrated into the squad, most likely. I think, I mean, Reese has talked about this before, like Trent as an inverted fullback cannot be your defensive midfielder. And like number eights making box-to-box runs cannot be your source of creativity because Trent cannot be the DM and the only source of creativity in the squad. Um, and, it, you know, I understand that they have Mo Salas back to his best. And so there's a lot of creative passing. There's a lot of options there. However, I think the the midfield rebuild was maybe some strange decisions were made. Um, I think, you know, McAllister and SpongeBob, I do think will have really good seasons. I just am questioning why they signed a million players of a relatively similar profile. Like, can anyone tell me exactly what the difference is between Shabash Lai and Grabenberch? Legitimately. I don't think they're actually. Do they need both of them? They're both from the Bundesliga. They're both an attacking number eight. They're both relatively the same size same speed a lot of physical attributes are the same so i don't understand uh why they've decided to sign a million of the same player the outgoing thing doesn't bother me though josh because i think they've just done a really it's a sneaky rebuild i think they've done a good job of getting rid of some of the players that have been taking up space on their bench and maybe it's just kind of the beginning of a new era for i think it is but also i don't think they did enough to rebuild that bench okay fair enough it can be a positive thing if you revamp what you sold, but they didn't. I yeah, am I mean, a little higher. Oh, sorry, Ethan, you go ahead. I'll be quick just because I am basically am shadowing what uh, the other guy said. I went B minus. Um, I, I think the the players that they did bring in were were good and 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 should be good with their talent, but they did bring in a bunch of midfielders, and it's like you know it it's kind of seems like you know not bringing in any attacking players. Is is maybe building up more confidence for new uh, for Nunez, um, but you know it is weird. They I feel like they definitely could have benefited from a few more players to make up the numbers. 
So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm a little, I mean, I'm not that far off from Ethan. I'm a little higher than the other two. I went with just a B flat, B flat. A B flat. Uh, a B. Yeah. I went with a B. I think I'm not surprised by their transfer business, business transfer business in the midfield. I think they targeted exactly the players they needed. I mean, we think about when Liverpool was at their best. I feel like they've always played with two number eights instead of a 10, right? Am I crazy? You know, the likes of Wijnaldum, uh, Thiago, I don't think they played together. I'm drawing a blank out. Well, no, no, you are right. But I just think if they're going to rebuild the the midfield in the way that they're, you know, changing the the dynamics of how it works and the system they're in, I think, yeah, I just lowered my chair. Sorry. <laughs> I think... Um, they just needed to make it more different than it already was, if that makes See, sense. See, I I think Raven Birch is a little weird, not because he profiles the same. I think it's mainly because he doesn't play very much. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think, you know, they needed that type of player, in my opinion, at least. And I think they bought that type of player, two players to start, and then also bought cover. Um, so I think that's good from them. Um, I think... You know, they did bring a DM, which I said they needed. Again, I think I, I would have raised the, the grade if it had been someone a little younger, a little better. Um, I think Endo's fine, and they got him for cheap, so maybe it'll pan out. Um, I get what Josh is saying with depth. I think they needed definitely defensive depth because that, that really hurt them last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like the years that they've had off seasons was because of injuries in the, in the back line. So defensive depth, depth definitely is a valid concern, but... I think I think the midfield was the immediate problem area, and they addressed it in this window. So I, I'm giving them the. They only like they addressed it, but they only addressed like a very specific part of it. Like yes, they signed Endo, but for the most part, he's a unproven product of what he was going to produce. So I think they did like seventy percent, sixty to seventy percent of what they could have done to address. I mean, Liverpool also has always they've they've never actually had a ton of money to spend in the window, right? Their owners are very, you know, we want to spend, we want to pinch as much money as we can here and there. We want to save money. So buying two high-profile players, one of which is primarily proven in SpongeBob and McAllister, and then saving a little money in the DM, I, I kind of get it, at least from a transfer business like model. But but if you don't have that much money to spend, why would you spend how much? Uh... How much did they spend? Like 30 million on two players who generally play. You spend 90 million on like two number eights. Like if you don't have that much money to spend, which they obviously did, if they had 90 million, why would you spend it on two number eights? They did almost they spend two number eights. They did mind. almost spend a hundred million on a six. I'll say that. Like they tried to spend a hundred million on a six. Then they tried to spend 60 million on a six with Lavia. And they didn't get either of them. But the fact that they were attempting to go for those deals tells me that they, you know, obviously knew that they needed a six badly. And Endo is probably a stopgap until January. Maybe they can get something else done then. Yeah. But I mean, Caicedo, as far as we know, was agreed. So I think that's, I think, yeah, I think we'll definitely see some more movement in January. I think they just ran out of time because I'm sure from their point of view, they had the position covered and then it falls through and then they're going for Lavia and then that falls through again. And, you know, at that point, options are a little limited. You definitely don't have negotiating power for sure. So they were going to get, you know, pinched for 
they were going to get robbed for whoever they went in for next. But then, like, it comes out that Polinia is available. I mean, the guy almost goes to Bayern, right? And like again, for close to 100 million, though. Right, but if they were going to sign, I mean, if they were going to shell that out, then you know the guy's available and he's Premier League proven. I mean, he's probably even a better option than Lavia. So. I, well, yeah, it wasn't I just 90 million though is the thing. I feel like they're just very they know how much money they want to spend. I think they value players, they know how much they value players for, and they're not going to spend more. And I, I just don't think they value Paulinho that high. Fair enough. Fair enough. Everyone go did their Liverpool grid. Yep. All right. So let's go to another big club with Manchester City. Uh I went B. Um, I think the signing of Gavardial uh, was pretty good. I think. You know, they desperately needed another, not desperately actually, but like they needed another center back. Um, Mateus Nunez, um, you know, been in the season or been in the Premier League for one season. Uh, and I think, you know, he's talented for sure. And so uh, working with Pep should be good. Um, they did sign Doku, which we also don't know about. Um, and then Kovacic was kind of a weird one, but uh, and they lost a lot of key players was the big thing um, for being a, a B plus, I think. I gave him an A. It's kind of hard to grade them though, because money is like literally not even in the conversations. So, like, yeah. Who cares how much they play pay for players? That's true. Um, like you said, I think Guardiola immediately improves the squad. Um, again, it was you mentioned it, and I also mentioned it on like the pre-episode. They needed to replace the outgoings with Gundawan, and I I think they need to replace Mara's as well. Just sign another winger at the very least for depth. Um, and you know they got Doku in there in that position. I. Who knows if we'll start? Probably eventually, maybe not right away. And then, you know, I think Kovacic well, he started at the weekend, be... didn't he? Did he? Yeah, I think so. Really? Well, there you go. I'm pretty sure I he think, started. I think Kovacic was supposed to be the Gundawan replacement. And I think a lot of people thought it was weird. And I don't think he's had that great of a start. And I think immediately, because they have a billion dollars, they've signed the Kovacic replacement with Nunez. So, <laughs> um, you know, they, they, he, he certainly does the areas. Um, they addressed what they needed to address, I guess. They have a billion, infinite money, though, so who cares? I had no idea he started. Yeah, I felt like I gave them a B as well because, like, I, I don't even – it's like reset. I don't even know how to grade them because not only did – I mean, as far as I was concerned, pretty much the only signing they needed to make was a, center, a central midfielder, and they signed two. So, like, did they need Guardiola? Really? They have Ake, Akanji, Diaz, They didn't need him, Stones. but he, I mean, he's an improvement, so. An improvement on the best team in the world. I mean, yeah, I don't I even, mean, exactly, you know, though. like, and then did they, like, did they, I don't even think they needed Mateus Nunez. Like, I, I don't think Kovacic has been great, but he's been good enough. I mean, I guess De Bruyne getting injured. When you have injured, infinite money, though. True. And I guess, <laughs> you know, De Bruyne being injured is a big, big thing to take away from that as well. Like, yeah. So I do understand that. I don't really think they needed Doku, to be honest. I mean, I like, you know, I think Foden and Grealish rotate enough that, I, I mean, and they have Bernardo Silva in the mix. They have a thousand youth academy players who are all worth over 10 million pounds, apparently, because they sold a bunch of them for that. Like, so I, I mean, whatever, B, because they didn't even need to sign people, but they did just for the hell of it. <laughs> like, you know, I don't even know. I also say B. I also I would like I think Kovacic has looked a lot better than his last few seasons at Chelsea. Like he looks like he enjoys playing a little bit more. I think he's looked a lot better than what he had been, which was not great. Um, but yeah, there's not much else to add on them. 
Yeah, I um, already talked about it already, but I recently before the podcast started, um, I didn't have this team in here, but I wanted to briefly mention it because we're seeing how some of these players are panning out already. And, you know, they did a few things of business on the last day, but let's talk about United real quick. I gave them a C plus. Um, I think they did enough to get a passing grade, but still, I think they obviously could have done more. I, I don't think much about their recruitment. I don't think it's that good. I think Amrabat is a good signing. I think, you know, he's quite a bit younger than Casemiro and I, I've been impressed by him in, in the, you know, world cup and, and stuff like that, competitions like that. So I think Amrabat will pan out well. Um, I think Regulon is weird, but I think at the end of the day, it's just a desperation signing because of injuries. Um, it is and, better than spending sixty million on Kukurea. I'll say that exactly. I agree, and I think although he may not be super great, he's played in the Prem and has experience in the Prem, so I think it's all right. I think Hoyland, the fee is excessive for nine league goals, um, but he's young and he looks all right. He looked okay in the game uh, against us, and we can talk about that later. But uh, and you know they needed a striker. I think they paid too much. So that kind of knocks it down. Johnny Evans is whack, uh, but it's for free. So we can kind of move on. Uh, and Onana, I won't even talk about Mount because paid too way too much. Onana, I think, is an improvement on distribution and a downgrade on shot stopping. So I feel like they have done nothing, actually. At <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, see have them at like a D plus because like I think letting David De Gea go like just on a free even though like he's a still a free agent I think it's kind of wild that the Golden Glove winner last season is just out on a free being a free agent I think that's kind of wild um, but I think like some of their releases were decent I think like some of the outgoings were okay um, I don't know, a lot of it just like didn't make sense. Like the Mason Mount one doesn't make sense. The Johnny Evans one doesn't make sense. The Andre Onana one, I don't think you get a better goalkeeper out of that and you let the Golden Glove winner go out on a free. Hoyland one doesn't make sense. It just like it's all business that doesn't make sense. And then like the regular one, like why that? Well, they needed a left back. I mean, they have to sign a left back. The, the decision of who is like the one that I'm just like, it doesn't make sense. No, I agree. But I also kind of think like, it's kind of a, a I, I kind of think right, Regulon right is the one that makes the most sense. Out of the options that they discussed. Like, I think I, he's, I mean, the like best out option. of all their signings they made. Oh, well, yeah, that too. It just makes the most sense from a business standpoint and from a positional because they needed a player there last minute and they got a player in for cheap. He's just on loan, right? Did they even pay a fee? No, yeah. He all they're doing is covering his wages, not even a loan yeah. fee. So they've, they've, they're paying wages for a player who's played in the Prem in a position they just need to temporarily cover. So, yeah. Yeah. Wanna... And oh, sorry. Go, go ahead. Well, no, just add to your point. Oh, I was going to go on some other tangent off of Regulon. So go ahead. Okay. Well, I, I was just going to say, see, I, you know, Mason Mount for 60 million. This, uh, <laughs> Um, but, uh, Onana is, we, we knew a lot about him, um, from just, you know, having a lot of talk, uh, when he was at Ajax, but, you know, we'll see. It looked a bit questionable in these, some of these games, but he, he probably will end up being fine. Hoyland still, we don't know yet. 
Uh, I really thought Johnny Evans probably would never play, but we saw he did this weekend, and it was interesting. But it was free. And then they were able to get Amrabat on the the on deadline day, so we'll see if that pans out. Yeah, Does I don't that have, have so much... <laughs> Sorry. Does that have an option to buy, by the way? Because he's on loan, right? I think it's an obligation after a certain number of appearances or something like okay. that. So, yeah, I don't have too much to add, really. I think, like, the Hoyland signing is fine, whatever. I mean, I talked about how he – it's strange to me that he's going to be their choice to be their loan number nine, but whatever. I mean, the guys have talked enough about the other guys. The mount transfer by itself almost gives them an F for me just because of how ridiculous and stupid that is. I'm going to go with a D. Um, I think Phil Jones has finally left the club. So that's a positive <laughs> that brings them, that saves them from an F. Yeah. Uh, but then oh. even some of their outgoings don't even make a lot of sense. Like selling Anthony Alonga for 10 million. Yeah, that's bad. When, when like people like city are getting 40 for the likes of Cole Palmer and they got more than that for people I've never even heard of. I was just looking at their transfer page and they got more than that for random Academy players. I've never even heard of. So that's a bad bit of business. I don't understand letting Dean Henderson go when you need a goalkeeper. Like I, is Dean Henderson a better goalkeeper, a better shot stopper than Andre Onana? Yes. Yes. The answer to that is definitively yes. So I just don't really understand a lot of their thought process with, even with their outgoings. So yeah. I feel like they yeah. signed, they addressed the problem areas, but bought all the wrong players. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. They probably definitely thought that Hoyland was just someone saying Holland very weird. And yeah. they were like, <laughs> for that much? Hell yeah. No. Um, we'll see about that. But uh moving on to the team who probably is one of the biggest stories of the transfer window, and that's Nottingham Forest having a sh- crazy deadline day. Uh I will go ahead and say that I gave him an A plus. Um, they spent a lot of money, but they were able to sell Brennan Johnson for a good chunk of it. And these signings are going to take him to the next level, in my opinion. You know, the likes of Origi, you know, he's a winner. Cal Mutson Adoy, he was a great player, just got hurt a lot. They got him for such a good deal. Um, you know, I've been waxing on about Ibrahim Sangare for so long, and, and I, I'm so jealous because I thought he would end up at a big team like Liverpool or or someone like that, but ended up being at Forest. So. Um, it's a shame for for myself, but you know he's he's going to be a signing that's going to be able to take him to the next level. So, yeah, crazy deadline day for them. Would you guys have him at? I agree. I've got an A plus. I think my I won't add too much about the players. The one point I had was that I think you know I think at this point they know what they are as a team and they know who their best players are. So this window, I think they were able to make some more targeted signings. Like look at look at positions that they want to upgrade and look at positions that they can kind of take a gamble on because, you know, we have a good player there, but maybe there's a young guy that could be really good. And if he's not, we don't really lose anything. So I think, yeah, they, they were able to just be a little bit more focused this transfer window for sure. Yeah. I think volume doesn't always equal quality, but I think in this instance, it almost does just because of the volume that they got of unglamorous players who have the attributes that they need. So lots of unglamorous Premier League proven signings, not always necessarily Premier League proven. I mean, Hudson Adoy, is he Premier League proven? I mean, he's gotten lots of minutes in the Premier League, that's for sure. And that's not nothing. And at the price that they got him with, I love it. 
I mean, the same for Ilonga, the same for Matt Turner, the same for Ola Aina, the same for Origi, Omo Bamadeli from Norwich. All that applies to all of those signings. Um, and so, yeah, I think volume doesn't always equal quality, but I think quality volume is a win. So I've given them an A. I also gave him an A. I think everything from like the Matt Turner to from like the beginning with Chris Wood, middle with Matt Turner, I think the end with all the players they brought in on deadline day. I think Sangare is on the obvious like pick out to be great. I think the Hudson Odoi won for five million, even if he has the same goal scoring record that, but if he has the creative output that he had at Chelsea, I think that'll be a great signing and he's very versatile like he played wing back multiple times for Chelsea England and uh labor Cruises. so I think it is very versatile and plug and play for a few different positions yeah and the thing about it is that like obviously you know the players like Origi and Hudson Odoi they've all like Origi you know moved on from Liverpool uh Hudson Odoi had issues getting game time uh, at one point but these are great players for Forrest I think you know they will immediately hit the ground running and, you know, just transform the whole team. So, uh, Gage, how, talk talk to us about Tottenham. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a lot of discourse about whether or not this was a good window for Spurs. I think that's nuts. I think it was a good window. I think it's unquestionably a good window. I think uh, the only thing for me that stops it from being an A is the fact that we didn't get in another center back. And the only reason I say that is because Postacoglu openly stated that he wanted another center back. Uh, we did try to go for Lloyd Kelly and Trevor Chalaba on the last day. I think those would have both been pretty all right death signings. Uh, so if we had gotten one of those over the line, then I think it, it turns into an A because now you're either looking at playing someone out of position or two 18-year-olds who are now our third and fourth choice center backs, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's exciting, but you're an injury or a red card away from trouble, right? Uh, and so I think, you know, leaving yourself in that position, especially given the fact that Dyer has been shipped to orbit and Davinson Sanchez is out the door to Galatasaray as of a couple of days ago, uh, kind of leaves you in, in a somewhat bad position. But as far as the signings we did make, I mean, Madison, pff, the guy's a joke, like the perfect signing for uh, what we needed. <laughs> Guglielmo Vicario, Again, someone that we didn't know a lot about, but so far, so impressive. Such a massive upgrade on the last couple of years of Hugo Lloris. So I'm so pleased with that. Van de Ven, I mean, he's even just turned Romero into a different player. Like having a competent partner next to him has allowed Romero to develop. Uh, again, by himself, just a great signing. Even if currently he is our leading scorer against because he has two own goals on the season already. Both were just unfortunate things. But, um, man, as far as I'm concerned, yeah, just great, great signings in problem areas that we needed. Brennan Johnson is one that, um, you know, I don't necessarily agree with him being the guy, but Postacoglu wants him and he fits the system. So I'm going to have faith. And uh, Manor Solomon, again, just another you know, a, a pickup on a free for a guy that has minutes in the Premier League, I think is a good bit of business as well. So, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, it's a B, but it's like a toenails inch away from being an A. I've given you all an A+. Plus. Um, I kind of talked about it, I think, either last week or the week before, but I think your squad is 
a lot more balanced than it was before. I think you targeted all the areas you needed and um, Paul Chicago brought in players he wanted for the system. And again, like you said, I think Madison's the signing of the summer, like without a doubt. I think he's the best signing in the transfer window. So I think, um, yeah, not too much more to add, but A plus for me. I have like A minus. And the reason I don't have it a little bit higher is I think the striker hole I would still be worried about. I understand like Sun can play there for Charleston. It's a new manager. You can see what happens. Um, I think the Alejo Valle signing is good, had the potential to be good, but it's like a three to four year down the road at least signing. So I think if y'all signed a striker, it would be significantly higher. Yeah, I went with an A. I think the, the signings of Madison, uh, Vicario, and Van Deven uh, do make the squad more balanced, like Reese said. Um, I think Brennan Johnson coming in to um, help the squad out will be will be good because, you know, he has made an impact in the Premier League uh, when he was at Forest. Um, not A-plus for me just because losing Kane is just so tough. And obviously I know it'd be good if, you know, having a ready-made replacement uh, was available. So we'll see how Johnson works out or – Kane and Richarlison, or not Kane, uh, Son and Richarlison end up playing in that position as the season goes on. Um, lastly, we just wanted to talk a little bit about Lester. Um, we're kind of going to let Josh kind of talk about that real quick. I thought it was pretty good. I think a an out-and-out striker outside of Tom Cannon would have been good. I think Tom Cannon's a decent signing for only six and a half million. Um. I think overall it was good. I think the Harry Winks, Connor Cody signings were great. Um, the Hermanson, when he hasn't been injured, has been very good. Mavi Aditi's been great. Um, and then the loan signings have also been pretty good so far. Callum Doyle looks great. Cassidy looks great. Eunice Akugan um, looks good. He just needs to work on his finishing, but that was that's overall, especially our wingers. And then Abdul Fatawa, Fatou from Sporting, I think, has the potential to be good. He didn't get too many minutes this weekend. Um, I think we got a lot of wages off of the books that we just don't have the ability to support. Like, we knew Harvey Barnes was going to leave. James Madison was going to leave. But just overall, we got rid of a lot of dead weight and a lot of players that just make massive amounts of money. Like, Johnny Evans, I love him, but he's played minimal matches the past Two seasons. Sorry, my phone fell out of my hand as I'm scrolling through. Um, I think overall it was good. I think we need a striker. So I'm, you know, hover at like a B plus, A minus range. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, obviously I haven't been watching the championship, but I think it's an A. Like you said, Harry Winks and Connor Cody alone are like really great signings. But I personally think that you all have the best squad in the championship. Um after this transfer window, especially. And I think all your signings made a lot of sense for the championship as well. And we're good business. So I think that's a strong point for y'all. Yeah. Y'all did a really good job of signing players that are at premier league level for the championship. Like, I think this was a great, this will be an even better window than it is now next season, especially if slash when y'all get promoted, uh, because a lot of these players will be able to transfer straight into the Premier League without a hitch. I mean, Harry Winks will be able to transfer right into the Premier League. Connor Cody will be able to transfer right into the Premier League. I have a feeling Mavid Didi will be able to transfer into the Premier League. 
Um, and yeah, of course the lone guys are a question mark as to whether or not they'll be there, but I actually think this was a good window for now and for next season. Uh, and I think the balance of that is something that's really important. And you come out of the window with a huge profit because of the James Madison, Harvey Barnes sales, the Castagna sale. So those guys that you already knew weren't going to be there, you come out of the window making a huge profit. So I think overall, just just a really good good window for Lester. And I do agree, maybe another striker could have been a good deal, but um, yeah, it's an A for me. I think we're basically not going to play Pats and Daka this season because if he reaches 75 appearances, we have to pay an extra $5 million and he's at 73. They can choose wisely. He is not even in, on the bench right now. Yeah, I to shout out what everyone else said, I basically I gave him an A as well. Um, yeah, as as Josh said, it probably would have been good to get another striker, but um, the prim players that y'all did bring in, I think, will be very helpful in the championship. Um, and yeah, I think it just uh, sets you above the rest of the championship. So yeah, that was pretty much it um, of the segment. Um, we definitely could have talked about more, but that would have then felt like a whole ass review. So. Let's uh let's move on to match week. Yeah, let's uh let's kind of we might have to sort of condense down our our waxing rhapsodic about the matches a little bit. We did spend some time on the transfers, but it is only natural. We did pass by deadline day last week, so that's kind of the big story. I actually don't have that much to talk about for Spurs. That's the first game chronologically. So um, you know, in spite of the fact that it was a brilliant performance, a five goal performance for the first time in a thousand years other than Norwich on the last day, a few years ago, um, the, the first five goal performance since we beat old, uh, man United six, one at old Trafford. Um, I think, you know, one of the only talking points for me, as far as I'm concerned that I want to touch on is just the striker situation, which we already mentioned a little bit. I think this game is bad news for Richarlison. Uh, I think it's good news for, <laughs> for the team, but I think it's bad news for Richarlison, uh, because, you know, barring a, a some type of extraneous circumstance or ex, ex, that's not the word I want, extenuating uh, something, you know what I mean? Barring some type of circumstance, um, I think Sun has to start up top from, from now on. And especially that's true with Brennan Johnson coming in as an option who will play out wide. Uh, so I think Sun is the solution. Um, if he gets to a point where he's no longer scoring, then we can revisit the Richarlison thing. But for now, I think Richarlison is going to be stuck to getting minutes on the bench because we're not in the cup competition anymore. So yeah, that's what I would say. Uh, I just wanted to also give a shout out to Pedro Poro, who I think has stepped up his game to a level I didn't actually know was possible. Um, he was an expensive signing, but defensively he's been very sound and he played the pass of the weekend uh, for Sun's hat trick goal. So a ridiculous golf shot type through ball that uh, landed at the, at Sun's feet just as he was running through. So that's pretty much all I had. Honestly, I don't know if you guys had any questions or, or things to discuss, but that's those were my only talking points on the game. Yeah, I mean, you already mentioned Sun, but we kind of had a segment on what Brendan Johnson could offer to the team last week, and I kind of suggested that maybe you just drop a striker altogether and play with wingers, and uh, wingers that can play striker and just have a fluid front three. And now that Sun is off with a hat trick and Brendan Johnson's coming in, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, one note on Burnley. I think they will uh, try to stop this nonsense of playing out from the back very soon. <laughs> yeah, their I defenders think... look tired. Yeah, they look so like out of shape. 
for I appreciate the commitment from company, but I think he's very quickly going to realize that they are going to have no points if they <laughs> continue to do that throughout the course of the Premier League. So I think they will short up. Um, but yeah, that's about it. Let's all turn and laugh at Chelsea once again. It's everyone's favorite segment. This is absolutely ridiculous. They spend £1 billion in the last 18 months, and they lose 1-0 to Forrest at home at the bridge. Um, Reese, I'm going to come to you because as someone who is more tactically inclined, you know, this is hilarious. And from a neutral standpoint, it's good to see, you know, just for the pure morality of the game, I suppose. But how does this happen? Like, what are they doing wrong that allows them to get so overrun, dominated? And yeah, they do have the, like, let me, let me check the stats real quick. Yeah. 76% possession, but it feels not very meaningful. And maybe that's because they can't finish their chances. They can't, you know, I mean, 21 shots with only two on target. That's pretty damning. But what are they doing wrong, you know, from a tactical standpoint or from any standpoint? So tactically, I wrote down in my notes, what is Chelsea's tactical identity? Because I have no idea. Um, they just kind of exist and they buy players. And that's, that is their identity is buying players. As far as what they're doing wrong, I think it really is as simple as they're not scoring. Because I sent a graphic earlier today. They're first in the league in possession. They're first in the league in shots. They're first in the league in touches. 11th in the league in goals. Um, so, yeah, they're just not scoring. If they score, then they win this game. That's, that's what happens. And they had chances. I mean... They had multiple chances, but just think just the Jackson chance towards the end of the game. Open goal. Misses. Over the crossbar. Matt Turner is literally out of his goal. He's stuck in the side netting because Sterling, who played the pass, you know, has to go somewhere and he falls into him. And it's not a foul. It is what it is. And he's he's just not in the goal. Again, may sound fake. If I'm there, I'm scoring. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Um But yeah, they're just they're just not scoring, um, and that that's the issue. I think also they're I don't understand their midfield. I it still looks not balanced properly. Um, I don't understand trying to force Enzo between the lines. Like Enzo is not Deli Alley, Potch, right? Like I think there is this idea that Enzo can somehow be this force that plays behind the striker, and I think it's nonsense. To be honest with you, yeah, I I agree. I I actually. You know, it's kind of a hot take, and I think Chelsea fans may disagree, but I think despite how weird Caicedo's first few games have been, I think Enzo is probably the midfielder I'm the most disappointed with. I think Gallagher is the only one performing his role right now, um, which is crazy because I thought he'd be the one to go for Lavia. So yeah, well, they almost sold him to Spurs too. So <laughs> yeah, they just need to they need to start scoring, and then maybe things will change. But yeah, I I don't even know. They're weird. Yeah, all credit to Forrest, though. I mean, they held out. It was a stalwart performance. New signing, Anthony Alonga, getting on the board. Uh, he came on as a substitute, of course, for the injured Danilo. But one other thing I wanted to point out, by the way, is another impressive performance from Taiwo Awanyi. He's not on the score sheet, but I tell you what, this guy can head a corner out like no one else I've ever seen. He's a huge, you know, great defender of corners. He's an aerial threat. He wins duels and... He played that sneaky little through ball through the legs of the defender right through to Alonga for the goal. So this guy, I mean, I suggested that Chelsea should sign him 
this I think this guy's going to go for big money to a big club pretty soon uh, to someone who needs a nine. And Forest fans will hate me saying that, but, you know, the teams are going to be buzzing around him because uh, if he keeps impressing like this, then, you know, they're, they're I, I mean, pff, who couldn't use a guy like a one year right now? So that's that's all I have to say on Forrest. Other than that, let's move on to Brighton or Evan Ferguson three, Newcastle one, the yeah. second of the three hat tricks, or was it the third of the three? I can't remember. I think it was third of the three hat tricks this weekend. It was the um, My question to you guys is how much is Evan Ferguson going to get sold for? And by what percentage is he going to break the transfer record? <laughs> He's getting sold for at least 120 million. I would say, yeah. I think it starts with a two. I'm going to be honest. I think his fee starts no. with a two. Yes, 100%. 100%. That's my prediction. I'm going to guess like 130. It, I have liked that like he came out and was like, I'm not switching back to England this week Um, for like international. That was like a good, that was like a warm feeling. It was like, oh, that's like the international game is like still alive. Um, but it's got to be 130, 140 at least. He's already been capped six times for the Republic of Ireland. Like he's he's smoking crack. He can't switch back to England now. I said he could. I think he could because he's eighteen. Oh, I'd be surprised. Yeah, there was talk of it, which is why he had to come out and be like, "No." Yeah, I think that I think age is a factor in that, and he's okay. Okay, which is crazy. Which is why Diego. That's like the Diego Costa thing, isn't it? Well, Well, the Diego Costa is the one that changed the the rule. Yeah, he switched when he was like 25, and so they changed the rule. So it's so weird. Yeah, yeah. I, I know he said that he wouldn't switch, but I, I feel like there's been instances with like Rice and Grealish who have said the same thing. And yeah, so we'll see, but uh, it'll definitely be a hefty fee. That's just all I'll say. If I say a number, I'm going to be depressed. <laughs> Tactically, I thought the last game Brighton had the issue. Me and Gage both mentioned was that. They were kind of a one-trick horse. Uh, is that even the phrase? One-trick one pony. One-trick pony. Thank you. They were a one-trick pony, um, and they were kind of passing too much, I would say, um, trying to make the perfect goal. And in this game, you look at where their goals came from. Um, you know, we've got a long-shot effort. We got we actually have two long-shot efforts, I think. And we've got one where it's, it's good passing play, but a player takes kind of a hard-angle shot just to force a save. It goes out. We get a long shot right away. There's no passing involved. Again, has goalie has to make a save, and then it just kind of gets parried into Evan Ferguson's way. So, although they had great passing moves the game and dominated possession, they you know I think they just took more shots in this game, took high percentage shots too, and that's just always a good thing because you get the off chance that it you know like like for Evan Ferguson's first goal, you get the off chance that it gets just parried into your into your direction. So, I think that was definitely what they improved upon. Um, I think as far as Newcastle go, they looked really good in transition and they ch- create a lot of chances. Um, in this game, they struggled to finish. Um, and I think, you know, they struggled against Liverpool as well at parts of the game. So maybe that's something that's going to happen. I didn't really think it was something they were going to have to worry about, but especially after their first game, but maybe, you know, maybe that's something they have to think about a little bit. Um, the last note I have is that Joao Pedro is kind of playing as a free number 10 right now where he's playing as a 10, but he just kind of goes wherever he wants. And I think that's great. I think it suits him really well. It suits the team really well too. So I'm excited to see more of that. 
think they did a good job of making very minor adjustments from the West Ham game because that's a very easy game to hit the panic button on. I think they did a good job of staying with it, but adjusting enough small things in their tactics, like what you already mentioned, to adjust it. Because this is not the game where I thought perfect passing would have not been the answer. Like That feels like the only way to beat Newcastle is to play the perfect pass and get behind them just holding the ball back. And like when you get your chances, like you have to play the perfect passes. So not the game I, I would have expected them to change in the manner that they did, but I think it shows great adaptability from Brighton. Yeah, it's a great point by you, Josh, too, about West Ham, because they're a little bit of a freak show in the Prem right now, as is being shown by the fact that they're, you know, joint second in the table at this point in time. Because they're all huge, for one thing. And secondly, they're one of the only teams that actually sits back and seeks to counterattack. Um, and so, yeah, you're absolutely right that they were good in saying not to press the, the panic button and just increase their shot volume, just turn the knob up a little bit and practically solved all their problems. Um, the one other thing I wanted to mention about Evan Ferguson, by the way, is I, I stated something in our preview pod about how his movement looks a lot like some guy that plays for Bayern Munich. And if you want an example of that, go look at his second goal. His second goal is Harry Kane. Like that is Harry Kane incarnate where he picks no, up the ball, long shot. just kind of yeah. turns like a an aircraft carrier, <laughs> picks up the <laughs> ball, turns like an aircraft carrier, and then just <laughs> thunders <laughs> one from a thousand yards and it yeah. goes in. I mean, that's Harry I mean, the, Kane to a The team. camera angle is like, so great because you see – you can see him notice. He's like, they have given me a split second of space. I'm just going to whack this. Yeah. And, you know, it's like perfect body shape, all that stuff. Yeah. So if you want an example of him looking exactly like Harry Kane, who is also eligible for Ireland, by the way, interesting. Well, not anymore, but he well, he used to be eligible for Ireland. So interesting little parallel. But, um, yeah, that that's a good example of what I was talking about. One thing so. with Newcastle that I wanted to bring up is how much they missed Sven Botman. Because they yeah. what they did was bring Burn into center back and Matt Target out uh, in that space uh, where Burn was playing, and they definitely lacked his his uh, his composure. Some people on the podcast made fun of me for saying that their bench wasn't deep enough, and all I'm saying is their bench is not deep enough. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Now, wait, wait. Uh, Ethan, you've had a very Good weekend, actually, with a competent performance from Crystal Palace where they scored three goals. Ripley's, believe it or not. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Let me, can I set the scene real quick for what deadline day was for me? I literally <laughs> let let the final minute go and proceeded to write a whole ass rant in my notes that I was going to perform on the podcast because I thought the worst. I'm going to let me set the scene. Wasting talent like a, Eze on, in a loose on bums who can't score. Roy said that we need to sign more players. We had must plans all replacement itch schlup at the moment. Why did we wait till the last minute to sign Ekatike? Sinister went on loan to Bournemouth. Why can we try that? I'm watching teams who have just gotten promoted in the last year pass his wife and unseen. Uh we we beat Wolves. Uh and the bums that I said couldn't score scored. So it's a very weird weekend. Um it's like almost like I I can't I can't say anything about the club because then there's gonna be like fuck you, you know. We're going to prove you wrong because you look stupid while you do it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we had talked about Wolves being uh, fragile after losing key players this season. Um, 
And I think, you know, the first half, we definitely let them kind of run with it a little bit. But um, one thing that I had mentioned before, and this was last season, I think, or season before that, is that how good I think Edward and Mateta play together. Um, and we saw that once he came on uh, as uh, as they kind of benefited from Mateta and Mateta and Edward, you know, working better together to get the third. Um, it's funny, I saw recently that uh, Roy Hodgson had linked up with Brennan Rogers to see how well um, or how what's the best way to service Edward um, as, you know, Brendan Rogers was his coach at uh, Celtic. And uh, I think he probably said something like, you know, take uh, Edward to the French Riviera and wine and dine him to, to give him the best service. But um, <laughs> no, I, I think it's pretty much, you know, just give him a competent striker to work with and uh, and launching the balls into the box. And it's funny. Another thing I noticed with Mateta is that he is a striker who likes to work with the ball at his feet and, you know, use his skill and his size, but he doesn't realize how big he is because he's not very a very good target man. So um, I, it's, it was very weird, but it, it worked when they both played together this weekend. Um, and hopefully that keeps Schlupp out of the starting lineup. So, yeah, it was a very good one. I'll tell you something about Edouard. He needs to make that near post run that he made for his first goal about 80 times per game because that's the run. That was his, that our first goal of the season against Sheffield. That was the exact same thing. So I, I guess that's what Brennan Rodgers said to Roy. Just launch him in the box. No, he didn't. Yeah, Brennan Rodgers. Man, come on. <laughs> French <laughs> Riviera. French Roy Vieira. What? Roy Vieira. and Vieira? Vieira. <laughs> Disappointed you haven't said something like long live Matedward. Or yeah. some combination of that. <laughs> hey, that is... you said you said Mateta wasn't great at being a target man, but they literally targeted him because yeah, I, his I first assist was right off do. his back. Yeah, I mean, that's... he just true, true in the sense of that he's good being a target man, not using his head. <laughs> I think with his the big, with his big the Mateta Ward, yeah, with Balteta. the Mateta Ward combo, Mateta doesn't need to be the goal guy anymore, and he can just be the I think he just offers something else in the buildup, which is exactly what yeah. we saw for the last two goals. Yeah. So I, I think going forward, we definitely need to play with him together. It, it works really well, as we saw in the last few minutes. Very stupid to give up the last goal at the air at the end. I think the defense kind of just shut off. But yeah, I think I think it was a good win. And hopefully we see Mated Ward more often yeah. and no more schlup. I was going to say, can't unfortunately, wait for now that it's... to start against Aston <laughs> yeah. Villa. Yeah, not, unfortunately, now that Matedward's work, you will never see it again. Yeah. Yeah, I guess enjoy it. <laughs> That's the case. Uh, let's skip on to the marquee fixture of the weekend and one that really pissed me off in the time that I was watching it. Uh, Arsenal's 3-1 victory over Man United, which I was going to come on and say was undeserved, but I don't really believe that. I think... I don't really, um, is it fair to say that neither team was really that good? Like I thought both teams kind of struggled in a lot of ways, especially United, but I think neither team was especially good. And maybe that's unfair, but that's, that was my assessment. I don't know. I thought we were good. <laughs> okay. Well, man, never mind then. I think, um, you know, you already said that you weren't going to say we didn't deserve it, but I prepared something just in case. <laughs> um, and it's this little stat. Uh, 12% of United's successful passes were in the final third of the pitch. 12. That's the second lowest by a Man U side um, since 2006. Uh, 
I wish I knew how many were from us. I know it was a lot more than that because we had the ball the entire game. But yeah, I think this back four is what we need to stick with. But I also think um, Gabrielle's exclusion slash inclusion correlates exactly with Zinchenko's injury for a reason. I think they play really well together. So I think now that Zinchenko is back, I think Gabrielle will play. Um, I said this to you, Gage, and you agreed. Uh, which was that, or I mentioned that Man U were playing like a relegation team and that they just sit back and counter the whole game. And then you yourself offered up that this style was reminiscent of Tottenham's or Mourinho's Tottenham, which I think made a lot of sense, which is just so disappointing because we had such high hopes for Ten Hag. And I think maybe this is how it's going to be because I've kind of noticed this at least the last few times we played them. And maybe they just are worried about playing us because we have a really good record against them at home, but they are not fun to watch. I'll say that. No, they are not. Um, also, Onana was Man U's most progressive player, by the way, statistically. Which and when that's carries and passes, right? Like yeah, carry, he had the most carries and the most progressive passes. Um, which, you know, when they're playing like they are, just sitting back absorbing pressure and trying to launch the ball to Rashford, it makes perfect sense because who else is playing forward passes? Well, he's um, probably the second best passer on the team besides Bruno Fernandez too, which is insanity. Yeah. I thought the bright spot for us, and obviously he scored the winning goal as well, was Declan Rice. He had a phenomenal game. He was our most pro- our most progressive player, and it wasn't close. He was the most progressive player in the game as well. Um, I think... You mentioned him adapting to that lone six role. I think he's kind of already adapted to it. He looks really great, um, especially with Zinchenko back in, man. Zinchenko absolutely changes our dynamic, especially midfield. Um, elephant in the room, Havertz, um, with that one miss especially. I think criticism, especially from rival fans, is absolutely warranted. I think personally I'm going to give him – I'm going to give him time as long as I think he deserves it. And I think he still deserves some time. I mean, it's the fourth game of the season. He's playing a new role. I'm okay. Now I will say, I don't think he, I think he should still probably get dropped the next game. Mainly because Vieira is playing very well. He had another great cameo towards the end of the game, got another assist. Um, So yeah, the Havertz stuff, it's just kind of a, I, I think I'm going to give him some more time and I'm, and I'm fine with that conclusion. The other Havertz thing that I wanted to, sorry, Josh, you go ahead. I guess if your is your patience wearing thinner with him? No, I think as long as we win, I don't care. I was going to uh, say, how different is the narrative if that Garnacho goal is not offside? Maybe more, but also Saka had a chance at the end there. You know, he got a, he just needs to put it straight on other than yeah. that Onana. So it's like, you know, Havertz, again, can't be the scapegoat. All I, That chance was bad, but there's other players who miss chances. So, um, yeah, as long as we win, it's fine. I don't care. Um, the chances is not even the problem for me. It's the fact that, like... It's in, the general play. Yeah, in a game where the midfielders, the opposition midfielders give a shit, <laughs> I think, like, he just gets overwhelmed. I think there's no shot he's good in the advanced eight role. And I agree that, yeah, he needs time, but... When are you going to give it to him? Like, I think something he offers already, and you, it's on display with our first goal, is 
he makes really intelligent runs, which does have an impact when we commit so many players to the attack because for our first goal we scored, it's kind of a minute detail, but obviously the Havertz defenders are going to point it out um, online. And it's that Havertz makes a run right before the goal. You know, where it was some really nice passing ending in an Odegaard goal that draws three players with him, three United players, which you could argue in a better team that doesn't happen. But I think making a type of run that draws three players is always a good thing. No, definitely. And I, I do agree. I mean, there are things that he offers and that's probably one. his off ball movement is probably one of the better things that he offers. It's just what he does when he gets the ball. That's the problem usually. Yeah. Um, but he needs a goal back. Yeah. For confidence without a doubt. There's a lot of parallels between him and Richarlison actually. Yeah. I think. I think so. Um, sticking with Havertz, the non-penalty call. Um, interestingly, they released the audio from the referees for that call, and I, I think yeah. it was good to hear because I definitely agree with the decision. I think in the end, there's contact, but it's it's there's contact, but it's not a pin. Is the way they determined, and kind of what I agree as well. They're both just kind of running, and. Wambasaka goes in for a challenge, pulls out, and so doesn't make contact with the challenge. They just kind of brush legs, and then the momentum is enough to make him fall over. And I think, I think I'm fine with the on-field decision. What I will say is, I don't think this is that dissimilar to the Rashford pin that was given against Forrest last week. I think it's actually the exact same, where a player goes in for a challenge, pulls out, they kind of just brush legs, and United was given the the penalty so i think the only reason i would disagree is because he gets sandwiched by two players in this situation so i think like the players just kind of close off the space and so it's kind of just good defending in my opinion like i think it's a lot different from the Worrell one where he's very clearly trying to bring rashford back at any cost like so i i don't know maybe that's just my tottenham bias but i would say it's in that case it was just kind of good defending the other non-penalty call was the Hoyland one. I think United fans need to get a grip. Yeah. Um, they're both grabbing each other. It's very clear you can see Hoyland grabs Gabrielle's arm, which is something that we've seen before. And we've seen it given as a penalty before, but I think the referees know to look out for it now. So um, right decision there. I, I have no questions about it at all. The other thing United fans are proving to be either just, you know, so united pill that they can't see reason or they're just literally stupid is the offside call because they're drawing lines over here that aren't even remotely close to what they're supposed to be and they're like look he's onside and they're completely serious it's like you are the stupidest human i've ever seen in my life saw a tweet and it was a picture of uh lissandra martinez and saliba sitting next to each other and they drew the someone drew the line and said it's level yeah Yeah, and I was when like, Arsenal oh fan posted, they were like, "Look, guys, it's level. They're the same height." Yeah, that I think, and that was just a moment of, you know, great defensive IQ play from Gabriel. Does the Michael Jackson at the last second because <laughs> yeah. he realized? I mean, he realized, you know, if I don't do this, if I don't play him offside, it's a goal, and you know, timed it perfectly. So credit to him. Um, yeah, then I mean. Scoring the last minute. I love beating United. I hate them so much. I love Declan Rice as well. He's already endeared to me. So I'm not really surprised we scored in the last minute either. We've actually scored a lot. 
laid on with Arteta. And I, I honestly just think it's a mentality thing. I don't think the team switches off even when we're in the hundredth minute. And I, and I don't think there's that many other teams you can say that for. I think a lot of teams will kind of switch off towards the very end of the game, especially there's so much at a time. It's very easy to get tired and just kind of have a brief moment, uh, lap, like last in judgment. I think though that's something Arteta has really instilled is the mentality. And I think that's a big reason why we get so many late goals. I absolutely agree. I mean, it's definitely not a coincidence that, uh, you know, this has happened so many times, like in so many instances, especially last season. And it drives me up the fucking wall. Like how many times Arsenal score a late goal that I usually feel like they don't deserve, uh, like just drives me up the wall. But, uh, I do think it also has a large part to do with the fact that the two players defending the ball into the box yeah. were Harry Maguire and Johnny Evans. I think ooh, Martin, ooh, I, okay. Lissandro Martin is, is a complete joke. Now he's lost all credibility to me because he's, you know, the short guy, but his whole persona is this big, tough guy, right? He's making leg breaker challenges in preseason, like multiple of them. He's like this big, tough guy, even though he's short. Um, came off with an injury apparently with 30 minutes to go. Guess who's on international, completely uninjured? Lissandra Martinez. So nice one, dude. Couldn't handle it. Couldn't couldn't hang with us. Um, that forces McGuire into the game, which all the Arsenal fans are cheering him on. Which you know, you know how that I feel about McGuire. Laugh. Um, <laughs> why? So that one, I actually, as much as I hate McGuire, I understand because as far as we know at this point, Martinez is injured. And Varane is already injured, right? So who else do they have? But why is Johnny Evans getting subbed on towards the end of the game against us? Like, what, what is Lindelof, like, does he have one lung? Like, can he not finish the game? I would rather have Lindelof with one lung than Johnny Evans, who hasn't played a competitive game for And he has, like, a muscle. Months. Doesn't he have, like, a muscle Planner disease? fasciitis. Is that right, Josh? Plan of for like the last three years, he will literally come back for like two games, and on the third game, he would get like injured in like the thirtieth minute, hobble around for fifteen, and get subbed off at halftime. Yeah, I mean, he's got a muscular disease and will turn to dust if you breathe on him. He's so old. <laughs> he like, was in. I think I don't remember what season it was. I think it was like seventeen or eighteen. He was the only Leicester player. To not to have a Champions League winner or a, a Premier League winner's medal and not having played for Leicester. He is so old. He has won a title with United. Yeah. I mean, thanks, United. I appreciate it. He is the only remaining remnant of the Alex Ferguson era at Man United. And he's gone the long way around to get there, too. So, yeah, quite incredible. Reese, if you have anything else, now's the time. No, I talked about us so much. I just love talking about United losing, especially in the last minute. I literally hate them so much. And if you uh, need to step away, we can end the show without you at this time. I know you do have a commitment, so. uh... No, we can just finish it out. We're almost done anyway. Josh, uh, just real quickly before we end the show, I did want to mention that Leicester lost their perfect record this weekend in the championship. Uh, Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any concerns? Do you have any issues with how the game went? Uh, the finishing, because we had, I think it was, tw- I know it was 21 shots, but it was one on target. We had triple the amount of shots that hole had, and a quarter of them went on target. 
compared to them. A bad, 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 bad day finishing. Um, a little concerned about the finishing, but that's something that needs to be worked on in training. And I'm sure uh, we don't have that many players on international duty. I think I think we have like one or two, but I'm fairly confident that um, Enzo will be able to, excuse me, figure out the issues before it gets to travesty to traverse something along those lines. I don't know. Before it becomes like a major issue. Um one big news is we have a one of the first EFL games. I don't know if it is the first, but it's the first this season at least. We have one of the first EFL games on national TV in America. It's on ESPN two. So like only ones you don't have to have a streaming service, which I'm really excited about. We play Who and when because I kind of want to watch. I think we played Norwich on the 23rd? No. Hold on. Let me look. The 20th. Wednesday, the 20th. Yeah, it's on a Wednesday, which sucks because I will be in classes, but it's fine. All right, Josh, anything else on Lester? No, that's about it. Let's go super speed mode into the album slash jersey of the week. You don't have to rush too much, but just, you know, speed speed mode. Yeah. So there was one song going in through my head uh, during the transfer window deadline day when I was watching the Sky Sports coverage. And then there was one, the same song going through my head during the Palace game. Uh, and it's on this album, uh, Discovery by Electric Light Orchestra. Uh, it's Confusion. The song Confusion. <laughs> as to what I think of the club and it, how it changes so often. So uh, it's it's a great album. Check it out. The, the Confusion song is really funny. Um, well, not funny, but it sounds good. And the, just them shouting Confusion is just going through my head this whole season so far. I know it turned into a meme, but Don't Bring Me Down was on NHL 12 back in the day. And that was my introduction to ELO. And I still that song still holds a special place in my heart so yeah it's a great album and and i think more people should listen to it jersey of the week is a benfica jersey it was my first jersey with a collar on it i'm still not a massive fan of collars on jerseys i think it looks silly <laughs> um i think I'm you okay. look silly <laughs> i'm okay with but I think on jerseys, they just look silly for the most part. Yeah, for the most part. I think like I'm a collar fan. What can I say? I think like late 90s, early 2000s, they just look like classic. But now if you're doing it, it's just silly. Um, but yeah, I have two thirds of like the big three Portuguese Cubs clubs. And I think it would be cool to get a sporting one. But sporting has a like a club, like. A, a daughter club in Macau and I would love to get a sporting club Macau jersey I think it would just be like a cool one to add to the collection you would I would that's the you whole point of this, this segment you're giving <laughs> us ideas for your next birthday <laughs> but all right all. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring the show to a close we want to say a huge thanks to everyone for listening and I personally want to say a huge thanks to Josh, for coming on. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for having me. It was a great time. Uh, Reese, as well. It's good to have you back another week. I'm glad to be back, especially on a week I get to see you uh, have to handle a last-minute winner for Arsenal. 
Uh, don't care. Plus, didn't ask. Ethan, thanks for coming back on. Absolutely. And uh, I know only three-fourths of SLAP won this week, but hopefully we can get a week soon where we all win. Yeah, that was go. challenge impossible in recent years, it feels like. Yeah, it was I, always I one of the it other. never happens. Somebody yeah, always loses. Three of us won. We knew the last person was losing. Yeah, no question. So, all right, everybody, we hope you're enjoying the Premier League. I know not a lot of you will enjoy the uh, international break because I certainly won't. Uh, but hopefully when the Prem comes back, we'll have lots to talk about. Keep your eyes peeled for a possible special episode that will release next week. Keep your eyes peeled. That's all I'm going to say. All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We hope you stay safe and stay healthy, and it's a goodbye from us.